Good morning. Good to see y'all here today. Take your Bibles if you would. Let's turn together to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. God wants us to pray. He invites us to pray. In fact, He commands us to pray. The Bible says pray without ceasing. And our Lord teaches us to pray. In Luke chapter 11, the disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And the Lord gives them the Lord's Prayer and then some further instructions about praying. In Matthew chapter 6, here in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord teaches us how not to pray. He says, don't pray like the hypocrites do. They just want to be seen and heard by men. Don't pray like the pagans do uh, with empty, meaningless repetitions. But instead, pray in this manner. Here's how to pray. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now let's keep going. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. So we've been learning how to pray. Our Savior's been teaching us how to pray. We've been studying the Lord's Prayer. And today we come to focus on that fifth petition in the prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So that's going to be our focus this morning as we consider the pardon of prayer. And as you can imagine, there's a lot there. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. There's a lot to say and learn about that. So we're actually going to divide it in two. So let's let's start, first of all, with the first part of that, forgive us our debts. And then next week, we'll come back as we forgive our debtors and verses 14 and 15. They all go together. So let's just focus in on that first part, forgive us our debts. Now, you can imagine that the word debt there has nothing to do with your MasterCard or your Visa or your car payment. It's not a financial debt, but rather it speaks of a moral debt. A moral debt that we incur with God when we sin against God. Or a moral debt incurred with someone else when we injure someone else. So it's that kind of a debt. In actuality, it's a, it's a synonym for sin. Forgive us our debts, our sins, our trespasses, if you will. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, if we're going to understand this forgiveness, this, this, this petition, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, we need to understand two kinds of forgivenesses or two realms of forgiveness. First of all, we have fellowship, or excuse me, forensic forgiveness, and then there's fellowship forgiveness. So if you have your bulletin, there's that listening guide on the back panel. Let's consider these two kinds of forgiveness. First, there's forensic forgiveness. If you like to watch uh, crime dramas on TV, police shows, that kind of thing. You've heard that term forensic before. Forensic evidence, you have forensic science, the forensic team, all that kind of thing. The word forensic has to do with legal matters. It's, it's a judicial term. It has to do with court cases, that kind of a thing. Forensic science is a, a scientific investigation that is applied to a court matter or a legal matter, that kind of a thing. Well, here, forensic forgiveness has to do with our legal standing before God and God's court of law with respect to God's law. Forensic forgiveness has to do with salvation. For uh, Fellowship forgiveness, on the other hand, fellowship forgiveness has to do with a believer's fellowship with God. Now, if you, if you do much reading, you may come across scholars who, who use other terminology for the same thing. We could use the term positional forgiveness and 
and practical forgiveness. Positional it's like that forensic forgiveness. Positional forgiveness has to do with your position in Christ. When you get saved, when you say yes to Jesus Christ, you get a new position. God transfers you from the domain of darkness, puts you into the kingdom of His own beloved Son, and now you are in Christ. Paul's favorite prepositional phrase, in Christ, in Him, in the beloved, you are now in Christ. That's salvation. And then we have practical forgiveness. Practical forgiveness is living out your position <laughs> in everyday life. To live out that, that, that new relationship with God in everyday life. Or that's fellowship forgiveness. Or you might come across the terms identity and intimacy. Where fellowship forgiveness or that positional forgiveness, that has, has to do with your identity in Christ. When you get saved, when you say yes to Jesus Christ, you get a whole new identity. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away, all things become new. And now you're a new, you have a new person. You, you, are a, uh, you have a new nature. You have a new identity. Now you're a, a child of God. And, and, and you have a new hope. And, and, you're, and Christ is, is your hope. He is your life. You have a whole new identity. And then intimacy forgiveness would be how you experience that new identity in Christ with Christ. It has to do with your intimacy with the Lord, to know Him closer and closer and closer and walk with Him daily. So those are all different ways of kind of saying the same thing or different aspects of the same thing. For simplicity, we're just going to focus in on forensic and fellowship forgiveness and use those terms. Fellowship and forensic forgiveness. So let's deal, first of all, with forensic forgiveness. I've given you on your outline, there's a whole list of scriptures. We're not going to read all those this morning for sake of time, but I'll give you something to look up a little bit later. But let me say this. You cannot be saved without forensic forgiveness. In fact, forensic forgiveness is salvation. I mean, it's, it's part and parcel of salvation. Remember, forensic has to do with your legal standing before God. Here's what the Bible tells us. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God of God. We have all broken God's laws. We, we've all, we're all lawless, basically. We're all lawbreakers. We have all violated God's laws. Just look at the Ten Commandments. We don't, we don't even have to go any further. Just, just ten. Just ten. We've all broken God's law. And the wages of sin is death. So we are all guilty in God's court of law. We have broken God's law. We are, we're criminals in that sense with respect to God's law. But when you get saved, and here's what that means, that you come to a place where you know that you're a sinner, you know and believe that Jesus is the only Savior, He's the Son of God, He died on the cross for your sins, He was buried, He was raised again, and so you repent and you put your faith in Jesus. To repent just means turn around. You turn from and you turn to. You turn from a life that used to be all about you, and now it's going to be all about Jesus. I turn from... A life characterized by sin, I want to live a life of holiness and righteousness. I turn, uh, I turn away from a life that conformed to the world, and I want to turn to a life that conforms to God's Word. And so I turn from that old way of living, and I turn to Jesus, and in faith I ask Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. I believe you're the Son of God. You died for me. You're the only Savior, my only hope. I trust you. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me. Save me. Change me. Take me. I'm yours. I trust you with my life, my death, my eternity. Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. And when you do that, at that moment, your sins are washed away. You have forensic forgiveness. You have forensic forgiveness. So that's what we're talking about. 
to start with. Let me give you an example here. In Colossians 2.13, just listen. Colossians 2.13. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He made you alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. That's forensic forgiveness. He forgave us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us. I mean, there's, that's, that's, our, that's our indictment, all those charges against us, our sins, which was hostile to us. He's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. That's forensic forgiveness. When you get saved, God takes your sins and nails them to the cross. And now you have forensic forgiveness. That's salvation. There is so much to say and study and learn about forensic forgiveness and the miracle of salvation. But let me keep it simple this morning. So we're just going to keep it real simple and brief. First of all, the timing of it. The timing of forensic forgiveness is when you get saved. It's when you get saved. In fact, that is salvation. That's how you're saved, that forensic forgiveness. You say yes to Jesus Christ and you receive by great you receive by faith his gift of eternal life that that forensic forgiveness at that moment god removes and cancels out covers up your sin you are forgiven so that's the timing of it when you get saved what's the result the result is justification or salvation now justification that's one of those five dollar religious words it it, it's, it means that god declares you just as if You'd never sin in the first place. Let me just put it in the first person, just for simplicity. When I was a 14-year-old boy, I knelt before the Lord, and I said, Jesus, save me. Come into my heart, forgive me, and save me. At that moment, I, just imagine this. I was standing in the courtroom of God, and God the judge took his gavel and slapped the table. Not guilty. At that moment, he declared me not guilty. Now, I know I'm guilty. God knows I'm guilty. Y'all even know I'm guilty. <laughs> God says not guilty. But wait, there's more. Not only did he say not guilty, he said righteous. Jeff Burris is one righteous dude. <laughs> he is righteous. Now, I know I'm not righteous. You know I'm not righteous. God knows I'm not righteous. And yet he declared me righteous. Not only as if I had never sinned, but as if I had kept God's law perfectly like the Lord Jesus Christ did. And how can he do that? That's forensic forgiveness. What God did was he took my sin, my guilt, and applied it to Jesus. He bore my sins on the cross. He took that certificate of, de of debt with the decrees against me, hostile to me, nailed it to a cross, took it out of the way, nailed it to the cross. And then he took the righteousness of Christ and imputed that to me. So my guilt went to Jesus, and Jesus' righteousness came to me. And now I am righteous, declared righteous by the Lord God, based not on the basis of deeds which I've done in righteousness, no, but according to His mercy. His righteousness imputed to my account. That's forensic forgiveness. And if you know Jesus Christ, that's what He did for you. The moment you said yes to Jesus, that's what He did. He took your guilt... <laughs> and gave it to Christ, and took Christ's righteousness, and gave it to you. That's forensic uh, forgiveness. So, that's the result. Now, what happens without it? If we don't have this forensic forgiveness, we are condemned. The result is condemnation. We are condemned in our sins. <clears throat> Excuse me. We are condemned. 
All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. The Bible says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Jesus said, he that believeth is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. We are condemned in our sins, headed for a, a devil's hell, a lake of fire, without the Lord Jesus, without, without this forensic forgiveness. So with it, we're saved. <laughs> without it, we are doomed. When we come to the Lord's Prayer and we pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, we are not asking for forensic forgiveness. That's not what this prayer is about. This is, this is not a sinner's prayer. This is a believer's prayer. Jesus isn't teaching, here's how you get saved, pray this. No, he's saying to save people, here's how you ought to pray. So this isn't a prayer for salvation. This is a prayer for people who have already been saved. This is for people who have already received forensic forgiveness. This is actually a prayer for fellowship forgiveness. That's what we're dealing with in this prayer, in this petition. Fellowship forgiveness. So let's take a look at that then. Fellowship forgiveness. Fellowship forgiveness, or that practical forgiveness, or that intimacy forgiveness, that's the forgiveness that a believer needs to stay close to the Lord. Not to get saved, not to stay saved, but to stay close. To stay in a close communion, in a close fellowship with the Lord God. Now, let's kind of break this down like we did the other. What's the timing of it? For fellowship forgiveness, the timing of it is after you're saved. Forensic forgiveness was when you got saved. That's actually how you got saved. But now this is after you get saved. When you say yes to Jesus Christ, God forgives your sin. All of it, past, present, future. It is all, it's all forgiven. It's covered up. It's put away. It's to be remembered no more. It's canceled out. You are forgiven. You are washed with a washing of regeneration, born into the family of God. God declares you just as if you'd never sinned, righteous. However, we still sin. We still sin because that old nature is still there. The old Jeff is alive and well. Now, I hide him pretty good so y'all don't see him, but, but old Jeff, he's still there. And your old nature is still there. Now, one day we're going to see him as he is and we'll be made like him. And that old nature will finally be gone for good. Good riddance. Can't wait for that day. But for now, that old nature's still there. We still live in a sin-soaked world. And you have an adversary, the devil, who's like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. And we're in a spiritual warfare, and we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. And the result of all of that is we still sin. We still sin. Even though we are forgiven, we have forensic forgiveness, and, 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 and the debt has been canceled out and all that, but we still sin. And so for me to have a fellowship with the Lord, to have that close communion with God, I need to come, with, come to Him on a daily basis and say, Lord, cleanse me. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive me, cleanse me, and keep me close. I don't want any junk between me and the Lord. That's fellowship forgiveness. Turn with me to 1 John, if you would. A couple of other places we're going to go to as well, so keep your Bible open. But in 1 John, 1 John is written to Christians. The Lord's Prayer is for believers. 1 John is for believers. In 1 John 1, in verse 5, 
says this, This is the message we have heard from Him and announced to you, that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, 1 John 1, 9, notice that again. You may have committed that to memory at some point. If we confess our sins, again, this is for Christians. This is about Christians. This isn't to be saved. This is for people who are saved. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That word confess in the language of the New Testament literally means speak the same, say the same. So to confess my sins means I call my sins what God calls them. I say the same thing about them that He says about them. I don't excuse them. I don't try to mitigate them. I don't blame them on someone else. I don't rationalize them. I'm going to call it what God calls it. God, that's conduct unbecoming a Christian. (laughs) Lord, what I said, that was sinful. My attitude was sinful. My actions were sinful. My thoughts were sinful. God, it was sin, pure and simple. It was sin. Lord, I confess it. Cleanse me forgive me if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness that's fellowship forgiveness now with forensic forgiveness the result was salvation without forensic forgiveness the result is we're condemned we are doomed in our sins what about fellowship forgiveness the 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 result Why do we need to pray, forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors? Well, let me show you the results of fellowship forgiveness. And folks, this is good stuff. (laughs) This is good. Here are the results. One, you get to know God. To know Him. To know Him better and better. Intimacy with God. In John 17, 3, Jesus defined eternal life in this way. This is eternal life, that they may know Thee, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. To know Him, to know Him experientially, to know Him on a first-hand basis. It's not to know about God. It's not because you read the Bible or some book about God. You have a degree in theology, but to know Him personally. In, in, in 1 John 5, 20, we know that the Son of God has come. He's given us understanding in order that we might know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the true God and eternal life. It is to know God. And that's the very definition of what it means to be a Christian, to be saved. It's not just saying a prayer when you're 10 years old, so now you can live your life any way you want to, but you're going to go to heaven when you die because you said a prayer when you were 10 years old. That's not what it means to be saved. Or, or you joined the church, or you got baptized. You did that religious church thing, and now you can live your life, and you're going to go to heaven one day when you die because you did that church thing. That's not eternal life. Eternal life is to know God, to have a relationship, a life-giving, life-changing, life-defining relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, to know Him. That's what it means to be saved, to follow Christ. Now, your relationship, that's what it means to be saved. You have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus. And that relationship, in, in, in a sense, is like every other relationship in your life. Husband and wife, parent and child, siblings, friends. Let's, let's keep it simple. Let's just talk about parent and child. Let's keep it simple. We have a parent, we have a child. Nothing will ever 
nullify that relationship, that bond, the, the defining characteristic for that relationship, parent and child. If you never see each other again, never speak to each other again, doesn't change the fact, parent, child. That's not going to change. I mean, you, death doesn't even change it, parent, child. So that's there. But to have the fellowship inside that relationship, to have the fellowship, intimacy, communion, for that relationship to be all that you want it to be between a parent and child or husband and wife or friend or sibling, there's going to have to be some give and take. Here, here's, here's the reality of the situation. We, we can't spend much time together without stepping on each other's toes. It's just what we do, isn't it? We, we hurt each other's feelings. We get on each other's nerves. We say the wrong thing. We're thoughtless. We make mistakes. We do things that are hurtful. We incur debts against each other. And, and we inevitably, we have to come and say, I'm sorry, you know, please forgive me. And we have to apologize and we have to accept apologies and we have to forgive and we have to ask for forgiveness and we have to show grace and we need grace. And there's, that's just what it's going to take for that parent and child, to, for that relationship to be all that you would want it to be, for a husband and wife for that to be all you want it to be, for relationships between your friends or siblings. That's what it takes. So we already have this parent-child. That's set. But for all the stuff in between, it's going to take some grace. Fellowship. That's how it is in your relationship with God. To be saved, you have a relationship with God through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. But for that to be all that you want it to be, you need fellowship, forgiveness. And when you confess your sins, when you pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. As, as, as you keep that close account with God, you're going to know Him better. You're going to love Him better. You'll experience Him better. You're going to be closer to Him. You get to know God. Intimacy with God. Here's another result. The power of God. The power of God. As we walk with God daily, staying clean and close, receiving that fellowship, forgiveness, we're going to experience the power of God in our lives. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the power of God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul prayed that the Colossians would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Got a question for you. Would you like to have the power of God in your life? Would you like to see God's power manifested in your life, in your family, in your work, in your ministry? Do this for me, okay? Okay, good. I thought you would. I love 2 Chronicles 16, 9. I love this verse. This is strong stuff. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of them whose hearts are perfect toward him. That's strong medicine. Think about that. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. God is just looking for people who love him, who serve him, who live for him, who trust him, who obey him. Why is he doing that? Because he wants to show off in your life. He's going to show himself powerful, to show himself strong on your behalf. <laughs> He's looking for those kinds of folks to show himself strong on their behalf. The power of God, to see God's power manifest in your life. It comes with fellowship forgiveness. Here's another result, life. Life with a capital L. Jesus said, I, I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. In John 10, he said, I've come that they might have life and have it 
abundantly. Life. And it's not just a quantity of life, life that goes on and on and on forever and ever and ever, though it does that, but it's a quality of life. The life that He came that we might have. There's got to be more to life than just get up, go to work, come home, eat dinner, watch TV, go to bed, do it again tomorrow. Can't there be more? Isn't there more? Yes, there's more when you have fellowship forgiveness. When you know the Lord, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom He has sent, and you're walking with Him and experiencing fellowship with Him, there's a whole lot more. Life. Life abundant. Here's another result. Fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. Turn with me to John chapter 15. John 15. John 15, verse 1. Jesus said, I'm the true vine, my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made as we abide in Christ, as we walk with Christ, as we confess our sins and receive that daily fellowship forgiveness, we bear fruit. The fruit of repentance, the fruit of His kingdom, the fruit of the Spirit. We bear the fruit of evangelism, leading people to Christ. We bear the fruit of discipleship, helping believers to grow in their relationship with Christ. A life of impact and influence for the kingdom and to the glory of God fruitfulness a life that counts that comes with fellowship forgiveness and then there's answered prayer we just read in verse 7 if you abide in me and my words abide in you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you as we abide in him as we walk with him as we have that fellowship with him day by day by day he says i'll answer your prayers got a question for you (laughs) would you like your prayers answered do this Oh, yeah. Well, abide in Him. You Fellowship forgiveness. Okay, it comes with fellowship forgiveness. Here's the next one. Joy. Joy. Look at verse 11 again. These things have I spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. One of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. 1 Peter 1.8 says, Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not see Him now, but you believe in Him. You greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Joy, the joy of the Lord. This comes with fellowship, forgiveness. And we've said before, you know, happiness, happiness depends on what happens, doesn't it? It depends on your circumstances. Happiness can come and go throughout the course of the day. But joy, joy comes from the Lord. Joy doesn't depend on circumstances. It doesn't depend on what happens. It just depends on the Lord. And as you abide in Him, as you walk with Him, as you experience this fellowship forgiveness, you'll have joy. And then there is victory. Victory over sin and temptation. Victory over sin and temptation. Go with me to Galatians chapter 5. 
Man, this is, it just gets better and better. When you think it can't get better, it does. And Galatians 5 and verse 16. Galatians 5, 16. Paul writes, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. This is good stuff. As you abide in Christ and He abides in you, you abide in His Word. His Word abides in you. As you confess your sins daily, as you come to the Lord and receive that fellowship forgiveness, you will be filled with the Spirit. You'll walk by the Spirit. It's, it's, all, it's all the same thing. And as you... As you do that, as you receive that fellowship forgiveness day by day, walking in the Spirit, you will find a whole new ability, a resource in the Spirit, in God, and in God's Word to have victory over sin and temptation. Here's what that looks like. You'll discern truth from error. You'll recognize a lie when you hear it. You, you'll see temptation for what it is. You know, it, it, you'll see a temptation and you won't be tempted by it because you go, no, I know where that's going to take me. I'm not even tempted because I know if I say yes to that, it will end up costing me dearly. I can see where that's headed. I see the trap, not just the bait. I can look for the hook and see it. And then those things that are super tempting, you'll even have a, an ability to say no more often. To say no to sin, to say no to temptation. If you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Folks, I want to tell you, that's worth money. <laughs> that's good stuff. To have that victory in the Lord Jesus and in the power of the Spirit, there is victory in that. A victory over sin and temptation. The, the ability to break bad habits, to change wrong attitudes. It all comes with fellowship forgiveness. So, question is, would you like to know God better? Uh, would you like to experience the power of God in your life? Would you like to enjoy life with a capital L that Jesus came that you might have? Would you like to be fruitful and effective for the glory of God? Would you like to have your prayers answered? You want to have joy inexpressible and full of glory? And would you like to have power and victory over sin and temptation? If so, here's how y'all pray. Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness those are some of the results of fellowship forgiveness now without forensic forgiveness we are condemned we are doomed we are damned but what about fellowship forgiveness what if i don't do all that what if i don't pray and confess and receive fellowship forgiveness what if i'm not walking with the lord and abiding in christ and what if i don't do that well there's a consequence discipline and loss just keep it brief discipline and loss. Hebrews 12 shows us that God disciplines every child he receives. He disciplines his children. Remember the paternity of prayer? Our Father which art in heaven. And your Father 
knows you need these things. He knows what you need even before you ask it. He's a good provider. Our Father knows how to give good gifts to His children who ask of Him. He's our Father in heaven, but like any other loving father, He knows how to discipline His children. (laughs) Or like any loving mother, He knows. He knows how to spank us, correct us, teach us. When we get a little big for our britches, when we decide we know better, we're going to do our own thing, we invite the discipline of God, and it's no fun. Now, it's, it's beneficial. It's good in the end. But it stings when God spanks. You invite the discipline of God, and there's loss. When we don't have that fellowship forgiveness, we're lost. When a Christian sins, he loses. Now, he doesn't lose his salvation, but he loses. What does he lose? All those things we just talked about. Peace, and joy, and victory, and strength, and power, and fruitfulness. He forfeits all of that. He'll be weak. He'll be ineffective, and he'll be miserable. And, and you've heard me say it many times. The most miserable person you know is probably not a lost person. There are a lot of lost people who are happy. The most miserable person you know, I'd put money on it. They're a Christian who's not right with God. Maybe that's you. A Christian who's not right with God. They're miserable because they know better. They've had better, and now they're miserable. There's a fellow in the Bible called David, back in the Old Testament, King David. The Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart. David loved the Lord. He was a man after God's own heart. But man, David made a royal mess of things. He blew it big time in spades. He committed adultery, then he committed murder to cover up the adultery. It was a mess. He he thought he got away with it, thought he covered his tracks, and he thought he was in the free and clear, but he was miserable the whole time. And finally, God confronted him, sent the prophet. Nathan, the prophet, confronted him. David, you're the man. There's a whole story there. Thou art the man. And when he was confronted with his sin, finally, David broke before the Lord. He finally broke in repentance, and he confessed. And in that prayer of repentance, he said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. See, he had lost that joy. He was miserable. He was like his bones were breaking until finally he got right with the Lord. The consequences of not having fellowship forgiveness is misery. You, you forfeit all that you could have, all that Christ came that you would have in Him. Well, there's forensic forgiveness, salvation. Have you been saved? Have you received that forgiveness? One day, God's going to convene court. Have you ever been in a courtroom before? Have you ever had to stand before the judge? Maybe if it's not for yourself, but for, for a loved one no fun it's it's a scary deal because that judge can do just about anything they want to do and when they smack that gavel there are going to be consequences you're going to live with it's a scary deal one day god's going to hold court and jesus christ is the righteous judge who judges the living and the dead and you're going to stand before the lord jesus the righteous judge and if you don't know jesus now if you go into eternity without jesus you're going to stand before him in his court and you'll be pronounced guilty of your sin your crimes against God, and you'll be cast into a lake of fire in your guilt. If you've never been saved, today's the day, now's the time. There's nothing more urgent, nothing more desperate. You need Jesus. You need forensic forgiveness. And I invite you to come. The Bible says now's the time, today's the day. Come and say yes to Jesus Christ. We're going to stand up and sing. I'll be right here. I invite you to come to me and say, Preacher, I need Jesus. I want to be saved, however you want to say it. And we'd love to have a private conversation, pray with you if you'd like to. But you can leave here today, a child of God, your sins forgiven, heaven your home. Say yes to Jesus Christ. You must 
Be born again. Say yes to Jesus. If you are saved, pray in this manner. Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. God, thank you for the privilege of prayer. Thank you for forgiveness. God, we thank you for forensic forgiveness. And, and Lord, at the end of the day, it's, it's a mystery. It's a mystery that you could declare someone as, as guilty as we are. You can pronounce us righteous by the righteousness of Christ. To put our guilt on your son and your son's righteousness to our account. Lord, we don't understand it. We just believe it because you say it. But Lord, thank you for it. Lord, thank you for forensic forgiveness, salvation. Lord, we thank you for fellowship forgiveness. Thank you that, that you invite us to know you, to abide in you, to walk with you, to love you and to be loved, to experience your presence and your power in our lives on a daily basis. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for not just giving us a list of rules and a code of ethics and a bunch of rituals, but you've given us a life-giving relationship with a living God. Help us to live in light of the truths we've learned this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.